Oh, hello there. Quick question for you. Does taking a great brand or product photo feel like a code you simply can't crack? Do you want to give up trying to create visual assets for your business before you've even started? Well, you're about to discover the secrets to taking powerful brand and product photos while strategically sharing them in a way that will serve your bottom line without adding hours of learning to your already packed up calendar. If you're a business owner, maker, influencer, or affiliate marketer, you already know that showing up online with beautiful imagery is super important. That's why I created this free online training especially for you to level up your brand and create the kind of imagery that catches the eye of your customer, the kind of imagery you can be proud of. During this retraining, you will learn my four-step framework for taking brand and product photos that will help you improve your sales and attract more customers without being salesy. You will also learn the top four mistakes most people make with brand and product photos and why these mistakes are costing them major profits. So, are you ready to up-level your visual brand assets? I thought so. For a limited time only, grab your seat for my free training at kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. That's kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. I am so excited to be your teacher and I'll see you in class. At the time of this recording, we are faced with trying times, specifically the COVID-19 pandemic. Suddenly, we find ourselves faced with many things outside of our control, more unknowns than knowns, and our day-to-day norms are shifting very, very quickly. We're making every effort to stay inside our houses, and for many, this means juggling work with parenting and homeschooling, and for some, trying to keep a business afloat, while for others, it means dealing with a total loss of income while being thrust into full-time stay-at-home parenting, and also needing to deal with the fear of what is yet to come. There is no way to minimize it. We are all dealing with a lot of unusual things right now. I want to start by saying that in a time of crisis, it's completely natural to feel anxious and it's okay to wonder what you should be doing day to day to protect yourself, to protect your business and your family, and most importantly, your own physical and mental health. In this special bonus episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast, I'm sitting down with my friend and licensed psychologist, Jane Walsh of SJ Psychology, to talk about exactly how you can look after yourself, your mind, your body, and your responsibilities in the face of challenging times. Jane reminds us that as humans, we are tough, and it's easy to forget that we as a species are fundamentally designed to cope with these types of things, and if the adversity you're facing is the result of a pandemic or maybe something else, all of the same rules for getting through it in the best possible way still apply. You guys, I want you to consider this your free one-hour counseling session. So please kick off your shoes, get comfy, and give yourself the next hour to listen in to what Jane has to say. You're about to learn just how vitally important the seemingly insignificant act of carving out a little time for yourself will be as we continue to get through these uncertain times together. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. 
Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Jane Walsh, and welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today. And Jane, I know you as an amazing entrepreneur and licensed psychologist, but why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Sure, Kelly. Well, I'm excited to be here. Like you said, I am a psychologist here in New Brunswick, and I'm also uh, sort of a reluctant entrepreneur. I am the director of a private psychology practice here in the city, owner and director. And I didn't really see myself going in that direction, but as luck would have it, I was sort of thrust into setting up my own practice about 10 years ago, and it's been quite an adventure. But there's myself and four other psychologists that work there. And we also have a very capable office manager and we provide psychological services to really all across the province, but sort of primarily in the St. John area. I love it. And you said you were thrust into entrepreneurship. So that begs a question. What was that all about? It was kind of funny. And I mean, again, one of the topics I think that we'll, we'll touch on today is sort of the twists and turns that life can take and trying to be resilient, I guess, in the face of unexpected challenges. So I think probably I lived that in terms of landing in an entrepreneurial role. But I had had a sort of secure government job for about 10 years at the workers rehab facility out in Grand Bay as their staff psychologist. And then at that point, I wanted to go into private practice and change things up, but had no intention of doing that on my own. So I transitioned, I joined a very well-established psychology practice here in St. John. And then the owner of that practice, about a year after I had joined his group, unexpectedly decided to close the group and he wanted to make some changes and he went into uh, practice on his own. So he gave us four months notice, said I'm closing the practice and you guys need to figure out what you're doing. So at that point, that's sort of what I mean when I say that it was unexpected and that I was thrust into it. All of a sudden, I was sort of faced with setting up my own practice. There weren't really any other great options in terms of joining another group. And I think maybe I also had the sense that it's something that I could do and would enjoy, but I have zero business background or acumen. And it was sort of ironic because I have two sisters and they're both took business degrees, they're both accountants. So they would have been, you know, had a much more natural skill set to do something like that. And I was the touchy feely mental health professional that ended up owning a business. So that's why it was very unexpected. But ultimately, I'm very grateful for it. But it was definitely a challenge initially getting everything set up. And ultimately, you figured it out in the best possible way, because I know you won't say this, so I will. You probably have the sexiest psychology office (laughs) that is like, I don't know, east of Montreal. It's beautiful, full of local original art and Gus Modern furniture and all of the things that people like me are really drawn to. Jane, why don't you talk a little bit about the people who you serve day to day? What's a day to day? What's a day in your life like? Well, as a practice, we serve kids, adults, so quite a range in terms of ages. We, a number of us are kind of specialized in PTSD treatment, and there's like a lot of demand for that these days. So we help a lot of first responders, military, RCMP, those types of folks. So typically, if you came into our waiting room, like you said, our very sexy 
<laughs> um, and we can give a shout out to Judith Mack in there in terms yes. of yes. But you'd see, you know, a couple of folks in the waiting room waiting for their appointments, being brought in by psychologists. So I would typically see if I was doing a day of therapy clients, I might see five or so clients in that day. And again, it could sort of range from more serious mental health issues to, you know, more people that are coming, as we'll sort of talk about today, working on their own resilience and wanting to be stronger in facing whatever life challenges they're dealing with. So we do a lot of therapy. We also do assessment work. So we have a pediatric psychologist that would, if parents have concerns about kids with learning disabilities, she's often doing assessments to see, you know, sort of what's going on as far as any developmental problems they're having or ADHD or learning or those behavioral issues, those types of things. And then the rest of us, like I said, mainly work with adults and we deal with a whole spectrum of mental health issues. I want to interrupt for a quick sec to tell you about a product that I've recently come across. I have never been a fan of wearing pantyhose. Most of the time after one wash, they would pill and tear. And honestly, it always just felt like an enormous waste of money to own them. Then came Sheertex. The strongest pantyhose in the world delivered right to my door in the cutest little box. Their fibers don't exist anywhere else on the market. They actually miniaturize the fibers used in bulletproof vests to create a knit just as strong as the people who wear them. You basically have to be Hulk to rip these things. And they have quickly converted me into a person that raves endlessly about my shears. I don't want you to miss out. So head over to kellylawson.ca slash sheertex, S-H-E-E-R-T-E-X, and use the code kellyslawson10 to save 10% on your new pair of shears today. Okay, so the reason that we're here today having a chat is that at the time of this recording, our world has essentially been flipped upside down with the COVID-19 virus and the ongoing pandemic that we're dealing with. And it's a crisis. We're just going to have to come right out with it and call it. It's a global crisis and we're dealing with it as such. And we're about, I think, three weeks into it at this point. And people are reeling. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of talk about a mental health pandemic that will follow this, you know, viral pandemic. And it's definitely a topic worth talking about. But to preface it a little bit, I like the way that you put it when we were chatting just before we hit record in that this isn't any different than any other type of crisis that a person may be faced with or with, you know, a challenge that someone may be faced with in business and that in dealing with it, all the same rules still apply. So I want to preface it with that because if somebody is listening to this outside of the COVID crisis context, how about that for alliteration, it's still something that, you know, can be applicable in entrepreneurship no matter what it is that we're faced with. So that being said, the reason that we're chatting with you today is to learn more about, you know, preserving good mental health in the face of something difficult. So can you help us understand a little bit more about how we can be still healthy from a mental health perspective while we're dealing with this type of a thing? Yeah, absolutely. And as you and I were kind of prepping and brainstorming for the podcast and this interview, we talked about sort of the parallels and I was reflecting on the parallels between facing adversity in life. And this, you know, what's sort of unique about the pandemic is the, the global scale of it. But, you know, we're still living that each of us in our individual context as we might face whatever other, you know, health scare or challenge that life throws our way. And 
I was talking about earlier in terms of being thrust into entrepreneurship. I remember getting the phone call from the practice owner. I was actually in, ironically, London, England at my cousin's wedding and traveling home when he phoned to tell me, by the way, Jane, I'm closing the practice and you've got four months to figure out what you're going to do. It's that kind of, you know, and then I was overseas again. This is about, you know, 10, 11 years. It's not like I get to travel to Europe all the time, but I was in Europe when the pandemic really ramped up this time and being in London, England and trying to navigate getting home and getting flights and just sort of the anxiety and fear and unknown associated with both those moments in my life, I guess, of being put into a situation where there's a lot of uncertainty and fear about, am I going to be able to handle this? Am I going to be able to cope with this new situation? And so, yeah, I think I was, I'm wanting us to be able to sort of talk today about what are some psychological resilience skills, if you will, that can equip us to navigate with whatever life throws our way, being an unexpected job loss or change or something like a health scare, you know, and this again is sort of on a more global scale. So I think one of the points I wanted to make is the importance of building a strong foundation for whatever comes your way. So as we've had a lot of, you know, wise people say about the pandemic, this too will pass. It's difficult, it's scary, but we have good knowledge and we have good practices in place to try to flatten the curve, et cetera. And we know from other nations, having gone through this earlier, you know, in the outbreak, they're getting through it. They're getting back to normal slowly but surely. So how can we become mentally stronger to deal with whatever's next down the road? And it's sort of interesting to me that even though there's a lot more discussion of mental health and the importance and a lot more in the media and a lot less stigma, all of which are positive, I still feel like we tend to be reactive rather than proactive uh-huh. to dealing with mental health. So we know we're supposed to exercise X number of times a week to stay physically fit and eat well. And, you know, a lot of us try to take care of our physical health. But what are we doing on a regular basis to improve our mental strength or wellness? Uh A lot of the times, very little, unless, as we're talking about earlier, there's some kind of crisis that might force our hand into going to get some therapy or help or professional intervention, that kind of thing. So I think it's these sort of scenarios are an opportunity for us to appreciate the importance of building a stronger foundation mentally and thinking about how we can go about that. And that doesn't have to be seeking professional help. That's not always easy to access either. There's Mm -hmm. lots of smaller ways, informal ways in our day-to-day life that we can improve our mental toughness. Absolutely. And I think we're kind of in, I don't want to call it a perfect storm because it's not perfect, but we're in a situation where, yes, we're all individually dealing with something, you know, in terms of our mental health. But at the same time, suddenly those services are difficult to access as are a lot of services. So in a way, we're kind of in our own little silos, literally needing to DIY our mental health or looking after our mental health. So what suggestions do you have for people who are sitting at home thinking, okay, yes, I need to do the workout for my mental health, but I don't know what it is? Yeah, well, one pretty straightforward place to start is looking after our physical health will have the very real side benefit of also strengthening our mental health. Because I think we used to have this old-fashioned idea that 
the two were separate, the physical and the mental. But more and more in the health field and in the psychology world, we're understanding that there is a very intricate and important connection between mind and body and that what's happening on one side of the equation has many effects on the other and so on. So, you know, during our current sort of situation with the pandemic and social isolation, so on and so forth, again, following some of those basic tenets of taking care of our physical health will help with our mental health. So some of those things like regular exercise, trying to get outside, going for walks, cooking healthy meals, getting enough sleep. So all those things will have a payoff mentally. And the upside of that, it's not like you have to access professional services to do some of those sort of simple things. So that's really important. The other thing to consider that I think is huge and can have a lot of benefits, no matter, again, what kind of life challenge we're facing, whether it be starting a business, running a business, dealing with a health scare, et cetera, is, and you mentioned the term before we got on air in terms of mindset. So what is going on as far as our self-talk or our inner dialogue? And that can have huge implications for our mental health and resilience or lack thereof. So if you have a very negative internal dialogue, so if you've got a real drama, king or queen that's residing in your head, mm-hmm. or we use the term inner critic so that whatever's happening, we have a negative lens on things or a fearful lens on things, that's going to make life more difficult no matter what kind of challenge we're up against. But I often kind of talk to clients about how neither a negative or a positive extreme in terms of our outlook is healthy. Because we all know those sort of Pollyanna people as well that aren't really in touch with reality and therefore aren't very well equipped to deal with some of the tough stuff because their head is in the sand about the tough stuff. So trying to work on an inner dialogue or a mindset that is realistic and balanced is really key. So whether it's when I was setting up my business sort of suddenly and instead of kind of going to that panic mode of, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing and I have no background in this and it's all going to fall apart and like a lot of sort of, you know, self-doubt, trying to be more realistic in terms of my self-dialogue around, well, this is a challenge. You've gotten through challenges before, you know, you've got people to help, you don't have to do it on your own. So that's sort of realistic self-talk, which isn't oh, Jane, this is going to be a piece of cake and you're going to ace this running a business thing. That would sort of set me up for failure too, right? Because I would be unrealistic about my skill set, which was very lacking in some areas from the business perspective. And I wouldn't put the things in place to support me in those areas of weakness. So I think that internal dialogue, that self-talk, that mindset, regardless of what we're facing, trying to be realistic and balanced. And as we've spoken about too, even with the pandemic, you know, we know a lot of people socially and how they're reacting on one extreme or the other. And I've seen examples of extreme negative. And I've also heard the odd person who seemed to have that Pollyanna-ish outlook on it where I thought, mm, no, this isn't a piece of cake. It isn't all about the upside and we're going to find new ways of doing things. This is tough. Mm-hmm. As human beings, we can do tough things. And I think we forget that sometimes in the midst of a crisis that we're tougher than we realize. And, and oftentimes when we're facing something that's fearful un, or unknown, we tend to overestimate the threat and underestimate our strength. 
So yes, this is a difficult situation. Yes, setting up a business is difficult, but we're often more capable than we realize. I love that. I used to feel like I lived in a perpetual Groundhog Day. Every Sunday, I would need to sit down and take time to think about what I would cook for the week, make a list of what groceries I would need to buy, and then go spend hours at the grocery store collecting the ingredients, sometimes needing to visit two or three places to find everything I needed. And still, we felt like we were eating the same meals over and over. Enter HelloFresh. The meals are pre-planned, the groceries are gathered, and everything I need to prepare delicious meals for my family is dropped off at my door once per week. We are discovering new delicious recipes every week. I am getting the hours of meal prep time back. There is no food waste. And best of all, every meal can be prepared in just 30 minutes. Visit kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh to check out some of my favorite meals and save $40 on your first box. That's kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh. So Jane, do you have any tactical tips for how to sort of exercise a good mindset in this situation. I think a lot of people heard what you just said and understand it, but they don't really know where to start with that. Yeah. And I think perhaps if we're, you know, sort of focused on that inner dialogue and trying to make that healthier, there are a few probably, you know, sort of practical tips in terms of where to get started. One is to if you can catch yourself sort of being overly harsh or overly negative, overly self-critical, is to think about what would I say to a friend? So in that moment of panic, when I get the, <laughs> the notification that my previous mentor is closing the practice and it's on me, instead of the panic dialogue, and again, it's normal to go there initially, but you try to develop the skills to get yourself to a more balanced place with it. But that idea of what would I tell a friend? So if a, you know, a friend, somebody I cared about was sort of in a similar scenario, I would encourage them. I would support them. I would remind them of their strengths if they tended to be focusing on the negative. So learning to be a best friend to yourself, learning to talk to yourself in your own head as you would a good friend or a loved one or one of your kids when you're trying to encourage and support them is sort of a good place to start with that. So that would be kind of one tip that I would have. The other option that's been very helpful to me personally and that I often talk to clients about professionally is learning mindfulness and putting some time into researching what mindfulness is about, either finding self-help resources, which we I can certainly give you some recommendations for later on, Mm-hmm. So either accessing some self-help resources online, some podcasts, some ebooks, some old-fashioned paper books, if that's your jam, or developing a meditation practice. Because the cool thing about a meditation practice is that you're sort of dedicating, say, 15 minutes a day, if that's what you choose to do, to becoming more aware of that inner dialogue and being able to, if it does tend to be negative or anxious being able to not get stuck in that mental dialogue and to be more present in the moment. That's essentially what meditation helps us do is to learn to become more aware, I guess, of whether or not we're in thinking minds so we're lost in our thoughts, which oftentimes can be unproductive and ramp up our stress. And meditation can help us become aware of that and then how to come back to being mode, which is being present in the moment. 
So there's a couple of thoughts. Okay, so meditation. Let's talk about that for a quick sec because I think some people hear that word and it freaks them out because they don't know exactly what that means. And I know that there's a variety of ways that you can meditate. And I'll just speak from personal experience. I know if I sit down to do some guided meditation and that's the type of meditation where somebody is basically guiding you, telling you what to do, <laughs> that doesn't work well for me for whatever reason. I kind of just need to freestyle it. So can you talk a little bit more about what it looks like or how a person can go about meditating if it's not something that they've ever done before? Sure. And you're right. There probably are a million different approaches. And ironically, the type that you're saying, which is preferring the guided meditation and your preference being to freestyle it, that would freak a lot of people out because they would prefer the structure right terrified of sitting still and being in their own heads so that's it's just kind of funny how individual that is for everybody but the gist of meditation and just to kind of talk about it in simple terms would be to sit in a quiet place and typically to focus your attention on your breath so noticing the physical sensations of the breath coming in through your nose you know into your chest down into your belly and then as noticing the sensations of release as you're exhaling. So that's what you're doing. You're focusing on your breath and then you're noticing when your attention has wandered off. So you're trying to catch when you've gone up into your mind into thinking mode and you're reflecting on your to-do list or are we done yet? Or, you know, you're got to cook supper after and I don't really have time for this and it's not really working. So all those thoughts, when you notice that you're in thinking mode, you don't judge that as bad or good or meditation is not goal oriented like many things that we do, but it's an opportunity to learn and notice what mode we're in. Or did we wander off into thinking mode? If we do, can we come back to that breath and the physical sensations of the breath? So really the benefit and the payoff to meditation is not, there's a bit of a misconception that it's about becoming all Zen and learning to empty the mind and that solves all your problems. It doesn't, but it becomes an opportunity for you to learn about those two modes, thinking and being, and to learn how to redirect your attention to the present moment, because that's really the optimal mindset for facing life challenges. Absolutely. And I know that there's apps on the market that can help with meditation too. I know my husband, Jeff, uses one called Headspace. Are there any other meditation resources that you would recommend? Yeah, just as I was preparing for the talk today, I was sort of looking, digging in a little bit. And I think one of the, you know, most popular meditation experts in the self-help field, and again, Oprah would have launched his career, would be Deepak Chopra. And he's got a good website. And there's a lot of different options on there in terms of, like you said, guided meditation options. There's specific meditations around facing adversity, et cetera. So he would be a really good resource too. Amazing. We'll make sure that we link that in the show notes as well, as well as the Headspace app and the other self-help resources that you mentioned earlier. We'll make sure that we link those in the show notes as well. Did you want to talk briefly about those self-help resources just to give people a sense of whether or not they want to go check out the links to those? Sure. Let me just pull them off. I actually kind of compiled <laughs> just some of my favorites, again, personally and professionally. We've already talked about Deepak Chopra and his wealth of meditation resources online. I'm also fairly obsessed with Brene Brown. 
I think a lot of my friends and colleagues are as well. She has so many resources out there in terms of selling books. She's got her own website. And one of the vehicles that she uses, she's done a couple of TED Talks that are available on YouTube. And I feel like those have been invaluable. And I've shared those with clients. They're some of those quick hit kind of 15 minute videos that it's again, not a huge time investment and it's pretty engaging in that format instead of reading a book. So I strongly recommend her TED Talks. Personally, I also really resonated with the book, The Untethered Soul by Michael Allen Singer. And I think his messages are really helpful for those of us who tend to be worriers and control freaks. Although his writing is probably a bit more abstract too. So that might not be to everybody's taste, but I personally found it really helpful. I think when I was first starting to invest in my own change and mental resilience, a really formative book for me was The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. That's kind of a classic one in the self-help field. And it introduces the idea that life is difficult. And once we fully accept that challenges and loss and illness and change are part of life, then we're less likely to freak out about it. We don't necessarily like it, but we become more accepting of some of these challenges that we face along the way. So it was a really helpful starting place for me personally. And then I'm also a fan of Glennon Doyle's work, and she would be another one of Oprah's protégés. And she's recently published a book called Untamed, I haven't personally read it yet. I'm excited to dig into it. And uh, one of my good friends has strongly recommended that. So those are a few options for people to check out. Amazing. I'm going to add all of those to the show notes. Have you guys seen my new website? It's pretty gorgeous. And if I know you, you're probably feeling like your website isn't as good as you'd like it to be, and you're struggling a little to find the perfect solution. Well, my friend, I have some advice for you. Get a Tonic site. Until I discovered Tonic, I was on that struggle bus too. And my Tonic site has forever changed the way I show up online and in my business. Tonic sites are completely customizable, they're code-free, and built with all the best marketing strategies in mind. It's time for you to have a site that looks just as good and probably even better than others in your industry so you can finally stand out in a way that's perfectly unique to you. And today, I'm giving you that extra little nudge that I think you've been waiting for. Save 15%, that's up to $200 on your new site. Just go to kellylawson.ca slash tonic site to find your perfect site and use the code Kelly Lawson to save 15% on your gorgeous new site today. So we were talking about building a strong foundation, looking after our physical health. We talked about being more aware of our inner dialogue and a few tools and how to deal with that, as well as meditation. What else did you have to talk about to help people deal with, you know, business in a time of crisis? So the other really valuable and sort of quick and easy tip around improving mental resilience would be the power in the serenity or the serenity prayer. And again, it's something that's sort of out there in the pop psych world. And, you know, it's sort of like stamped on, you know, lots of little merchandise. And it's foundational, I think, in the addictions treatment, 12-step programs, that kind of field. But I've just found there's so much wisdom in that, again, both personally and professionally. 
And I'm assuming most of us are familiar with it, but it goes something like, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I would say as a society, we're getting a big test of that right now in terms of the pandemic, because there's a heck of a lot of that that people didn't see coming. There's a lot of it that's beyond our sphere of control, and it's very anxiety-provoking to people. But again, if we can cultivate a mindset or a spirit of acceptance or serenity that bad things are going to happen, scary things are going to happen, doesn't mean we have to like it, but there's a maturity and a peace that can come with that acceptance that, guess what, I don't call all the shots, As much as I would like to be able to saran wrap and bubble wrap all the people that I love and keep us all safe from harm, that's just not realistic. It's not life. So trying to work on lessening that knee-jerk reaction of ramping up the control when we're faced with something fearful can really alleviate some of the suffering, the unnecessary suffering that goes along with a stressful situation. Certainly, And again, whether it comes to entrepreneurship or some kind of health scare, there certainly are things within our control. And that's where we need to focus our energy on those things. But if we're wasting our energy worrying about the elements that are beyond our control. So we're, you know, for example, with the pandemic, we're glued to the TV and we're watching, you know, 24-7 all the horrible aspects of it. And that's ramping up our anxiety. Then that might be taking away the energy that we need to look after our physical and mental health in the ways that we've described today. And it was sort of interesting. I've seen the Serenity Creed as simple as it is be very helpful to some of my clients. And there's one particular client who really loved it. And he was a truck driver who had a bad accident, workplace accident. He'd fallen off. He was tarping the top of his truck and had fallen off and had broken his leg in several places. And was having a very difficult, complicated rehabilitation process from that. And he found it so helpful that he actually saved it as the wallpaper on his smartphone so that whenever he turned his phone on, it helped him reorient himself to, you know, this mantra of what I can and can't control. And if he found himself worrying about things that were beyond his control, how is his recovery going to go? When was he going to get better? Would he get better? How much better? What would it mean in terms of his ability to return to work? He was able to let some of those worries go because he didn't have the answers for those right now. And he was able to focus on what can I control, was making the best he could of that day, doing the things that he could to make himself better. And again, the more our mind is in the now instead of, you know, in up in our heads sort of catastrophizing about things, the better we're going to feel and also the more energy we're going to have to deal with whatever challenges were our needs. That makes a ton of sense. First of all, I love the idea of putting that serenity prayer or serenity creed as a screensaver. So I think what we'll do is add a couple of options for people to do that for themselves in the show notes. So we'll put it into a pretty graphic and include it in the show notes so that you can put that right on your screensaver because that's a brilliant reminder of, you know, putting everything into context and a brilliant reminder of, you know, what you can control and letting go of the things that you can't control. And I think you made a really great suggestion, whether or not you intended to or not. But at this point, and again, in the COVID-19 context, we're getting a fire hose 
of information about it. I mean, when I scroll my regular news sources right now, every single headline is about this crisis. And I think at this stage, we kind of already know where things are going and where they're headed based on what we've seen in Europe and in other nations. So there's probably no need to be consuming that media all day, every day. And probably not a bad idea to just put it away for a day or two or to limit how much of it you're consuming, even if you set a timer for 10 minutes and say, okay, I'm giving myself 10 minutes to see what's going on in the world. And then I'm turning it off and going for a walk or meditating or taking a bath or whatever it looks like. I think that's a great suggestion. 100% Kelly. And I think it's also, it's a false sense of security. So when we're facing something that we're, that is anxiety provoking some kind of a threat, certain personality types that are prone to that over control, they kick into this over control mode of I've got to know everything about COVID and I've got to resource it constantly. And I've got to monitor everybody in my household's activities and everybody beyond that and see what they're doing. And in the moment, it kind of makes them feel better because they're not missing something. So if there's something new happening and they're making sure that they're keeping eyes on everybody and everybody's practicing things to a T in terms of, you know, social distancing and so on. But in the long run, they're going to pay a price for that level of control, that level of vigilance in terms of exhaustion, stress, sort of staying at that height level. And it could be damaging to relationships around them if they're over-controlling people around them. You know, especially kids, teenagers, they don't love being overly controlled by parents. And so they may be paying a price for that in the long term, even if it's giving them this false sense of security in the moment. It is no secret at all that I love to shop. When I find something I love, I buy it in every color and I live in it. Generally speaking, I dress for casual style and comfort, but I also invest in pieces that go with everything else in my closet. I guess I'm a lover of leverageability in all areas of life. I get asked a lot where I got my clothing items and I try to tag these products as I post them online. But for those of you that want to get a better look at what I'm adding to my capsule each season, head to kellylawson.ca slash mystyle. I'll add the latest and greatest fashion items as I find them and link to the best deals I can find. So make sure you check in regularly and happy shopping workshop warriors. You brought up a really great point. Parenting is a whole new world now with everybody under the same roof. Do you have any recommendations for people who have a full house and suddenly are dealing with a new take on parenting? I think, again, probably those opportunities for self-care and for your own time and trying to carve that out is extremely important because it really is kind of unnatural like you said, for everybody to be home together. There can be an upside to it, as we've talked about in terms of, you know, I've had sort of friends and clients talk about the upside of things slowing down and how they have had more quality time with the people they love. So that's been a positive. (laughs) Also, you know, also heard from moms that are saying, you know, I want to tear my hair out and it's just crazy around here and there's no peace and quiet. So I think you have to And I think as women, where we tend to be socialized, to be nurturers, it's very hard for us to put ourselves in our own needs first. But I love that the little oxygen mask analogy, which you might be familiar with, and and maybe some of the listeners will have heard, but the idea of as difficult as it is 
you know, for people and especially parents to put themselves first, the idea of that you're on a plane and that, you know, when they're doing the safety demonstration, they talk about if there was a drop in cabin pressure, oxygen masks will come down and they emphasize the importance of putting your own mask on first before you assist others. But when I think of you, Kelly, and, you know, other moms, I think that that visceral instinct would be to be putting that mask on your son, like, hello. I mean, that would be your automatic sort of response. So we do have that tendency to put other people first. But if we don't figure out how to strike a balance with that and look after our own needs too, then we may not be available, again, in the long run, to be as good a mom or spouse or a friend as we would like to be to the people that we love. Absolutely. And I think now more than ever is a time that people need to just give themselves a little grace and it's okay to take time to yourself. In fact, I think it's encouraged to take some time to yourself every day. Find some parameters. I know one of my podcasters that I listen to, Amy Porterfield, she calls it tiger time. And tiger time means like nobody knocks on the door. Nobody bothers me. I'm either, you know, being super productive or I'm meditating or whatever it is. It's just kind of that boundary that she places around herself to take time for herself, right? So I guess in a way that's the same as putting that mask on your face is establishing those parameters in your own household so that not just for yourself, but for other people who may need time alone, like give yourself a time out. <laughs> I think it's, Sorry, it's the short term, long term. So in the moment, you're taking time away from your kids, your spouse or whatever. But in the long term, you're, you know, the quality of time that you are spending with them is going to be enhanced mm. by taking that time away from them in the short term. So there's always a trade-off. If you take time for yourself, it's true that you, you're you likely taking that away from someone else potentially. But it's the, again, serenity creed-wise, it's the wisdom and it's the acceptance that even if that's a bit uncomfortable and my kids don't like it when I have my tiger time, I know it's for the best in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's better for everyone. Definitely. A hundred million percent. I feel that. Jane, do you have any other tips for people dealing with adversity and entrepreneurship? I think we've covered most of the key ones, Kelly. Like I said, I would really encourage people to invest in their own mental health and wellness and to do that more proactively so that we're just better equipped to face whatever life throws at us because it's going to throw things at us. And, you know, the pandemic is a great example of some unprecedented, you know, thing that's come our way that I don't think anybody could have expected. And again, that's on that sort of large global scale, but that's part of life that things are going to come out of the blue at us. And so, you know, it would be really smart for us to invest a bit in terms of that mental strength and resilience. Absolutely. And I think one of the silver linings of this whole situation is that this is something that we're all going through together. And again, in the context of the pandemic. So at least we can take some comfort in knowing that we're learning how to navigate these rocky waters all together, all at the same time. Whereas, you know, in an individual scenario, that may not be the case. So I think this is really a time that we can lean on each other and ask each other these questions and have open discussions about how we're doing mental health wise and do some mental health checkups and check on your neighbors and check on your friends. And also don't be afraid to, you know, talk about what's going on in your own world as well, openly with people that you trust. Yeah, it was neat. I was listening to the CBC radio the other morning and they had an expert talking about 
coping with social isolation and physical distancing and how much people are missing that physical touch, right? The intimacy that comes with that. And the expert was talking about, it's not a total substitute, but if we are physical distancing and we're still communicating with other people, you know, through phone or video or whatever, then if we can be more emotionally vulnerable, so if the content of those conversations can be deeper instead of superficial, it's a way of getting some of that intimacy in our lives, that connection. It's not the same as the physical touch would provide, but it's a good alternative in these times of physical distancing. So opening up about, like you said, the things you're worried about, the struggles you're having, what you're finding difficult, you know, the worries, the fears that you have, maybe being a bit tearful with a close person over the phone on video, that's important in terms of getting some of those moments of intimacy and connection while we're living this social distancing, physical distancing kind of situation. Absolutely. And I read somewhere that Zoom, which is a video conferencing app, is officially worth more than the entire U.S. airline industry. So a testament to how much we really need to be connected to each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing that we're realizing through all of this. Jane, what is one recommendation that you have for listeners that when they sign off after this, they've taken in everything that you had to say and their mind is spinning with how they can take better care of themselves and their family and sort of life within their individual silos at the time of this pandemic? What one recommendation do you have for people after this is all over that they can an action that they can take to look after themselves even if they could jot down a couple of things that they're going to do to improve their mental toughness or resilience if they would pick a couple of things from this phone call jot those down what their you know their plan was going to be and again those don't need to be overwhelming they don't need to be expensive they don't need to be time consuming but what do they think is doable for them? And again, as you were saying earlier, where can they start? What one or two tidbits from this call do they think fits for them? And then following through, that's the key, right? It's to not just think, oh, that was so interesting and I've written down my things. And then again, maybe sharing that plan with someone else in terms of accountability, but trying to action it, not just identify the steps, but then trying to follow through on it. Absolutely. So it could be things as simple as, you know, call your bestie on Thursday morning and take a 20 minute walk. Call your bestie while you're taking the 20 minute walk. And then you've killed two with one stone. (laughs) Two birds with one stone. Amazing. Jane, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and expertise. I know that people are going to find this helpful. And I know that it's something that I'll probably listen to myself over and over if I'm having a bad day or something like that. So I really appreciate that you took the time to share your wisdom and to help people cope with the crisis that we're dealing with right now, but potentially future crises, because like you said, we're humans, we're tough, we're designed to handle these things. And it's not the first time it's happened. It's not the last time we're going to be faced with a crisis. So these are really important pieces of information. And I can't thank you enough. Thanks very much, Kelly. I hope you found this conversation with Jane helpful. And more than anything, I hope that you'll give yourself grace through these times and that you'll follow Jane's metaphorical advice of applying your own face mask before anyone else's. The best thing you can do to serve the people around you when you're faced with trying times is to look after yourself so that you can continue to show up and serve the people who need you as the best possible version of yourself. And know this. 
yes, it's tough. And yes, it's unprecedented. And it's totally okay to ask for help. And it's even more okay to sit down and cry if you need to. But we're going to get through this together. And on the other side, we will be tougher and more resilient for it. Until next week, Workshop Warriors, please look after you so that you can continue to serve the world with your unique magic. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you Workshop Warrior, you.